0: Uh, today's reading is taken from 1st John 1 to 7. If I hope so, yes. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> the incarnation of the word of life. That which was from the beginning, from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at, and our hands have touched, This we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you that we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live at the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purify us from all sin. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks, Tom. If you can keep your Bibles open to 1 John, that would be great. And let's pray that God will speak to us this morning. Lord, we thank you so much for the word of life that you have sent your son, Jesus Christ, to be incarnate on this Christmas day. And we thank you that he is living and active, and his word um, is, is powerful. And we pray that you will speak your word this morning as we come to you, as we come to hear your voice. And we pray that you will breathe new life into all of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, Christmas is, in many ways, magical time, and I think, unfortunately, we treat it like a magical time, because there's a lot of sentimentality in Christmas. There's gathering together with the family over a meal, and that a lot of that sentimentality rings true. I mean, think about the songs that we sing on Christmas Day. For example, Away in a Manger. Um, I'm going to try to maybe read slightly sing away in a manger no crib for a bed the little lord jesus lay down his sweet head oh no that's uh, this is not the response no we're not it's not done <laughs> the stars in the bright sky looked down on where he lay the little lord jesus sleep asleep on, the, on on the hay the cattle are lowing the cattle are lowing the baby awakes but little lord jesus no crying He makes okay um <laughs> Let, no, think about the words um, there. Could that possibly be true? The newborn baby sleeping on this, what what seems like sterilized hay. There's nothing, there's no messiness of newborn child th- there. The cattle are lowing, but, uh, but little baby Jesus, uh, he, no sound he makes. Could that possibly be true? I don't think that's an accurate depiction of what actually happened on that Christmas day. Another glaring one, I think, is uh, mid, uh, In the Bleak Midwinter. Uh, based on the response of the last uh, song, I'll just read these words. <laughs> it goes, in the bleak midwinter, frosty wind made moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water, water like a stone. Snow had fallen, snow on snow, snow on snow, in the, uh, in, in the bleak midwinter long ago. Well, I'm pretty sure that we got the geography wrong in that uh, Christmas carol. I'm not sure how much snow falls on Jerusalem and whether the ground gets solid as iron and water um, as, as, as a stone. I'm not even really sure that um, Christmas happened in December. But it is because Christmas is such a wonderful time. Time when we remind ourselves that something magical happened. We think that it doesn't really matter what happened. We ignore the history of Christmas. But Apostle John, who wrote this letter, 1 John, would have bristled at that thought. John would would not have been a believer in Jesus Christ if he didn't think that uh, Christianity, Jesus, was historical. Look at what he says in the beginning of his letter. The letter that we just read. He wants to make sure that you know that Jesus was a real person who came down in real history. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at at, and our hands have touched, verse 1. In verse 2, he says, Life appeared, and we have seen it, and we testify to it. He appeared to us. Verse 3, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. What John wants us to know is that, well, is that Jesus was a real person. He spent time with him. He saw him. He talked to him. He ate with him. He heard him. He touched him. And I think he would have been quite annoyed that we're singing about bleak midwinter and a baby-born Jesus who's not crying. After all, he is the one who wrote that the word became flesh and dwelt among us god truly became a human being on christmas day and lived with us he became uh, skins and skin and vein and muscles with all the messiness of becoming a human being god became human being he cried when he was born because god became this baby And this, in many ways, is what sets Christianity apart from other major religions. Think about Buddhism and Hinduism. They're not historical faiths, meaning that uh, whether they are true or not doesn't depend on their historicity. Buddha supposedly sat under the body tree for 49 days uh, of meditation before finding the truth. Now, that detail is... um, uh, is incidental, not essential to the truth of Buddhism. It doesn't really matter whether he sat there for 48 days or 46 days or whether he sat there at all. What uh, What's important is Buddha's teaching. Um, the teaching is what's important. Same thing with Hinduism. They're not more or less philosophies of life, of what way of living this life. You can choose to accept it, adopt it, or you can choose to discard it. But they don't depend on the historicity of Buddha. But for the Christian, history is important. That Jesus existed, that he was born a Virgin Mary, that he lived and died and rose again, and uh, it forms the basis of our faith. Jesus, the person, that he became a human being, is the gospel message You can't have the idea of forgiveness of sin without God becoming a human being and living and dying for us to pay for our sin apart from God becoming a human being. You can't separate Christ's teaching from Christ's being itself because Christ's being is the message. Christianity is all about God becoming a human being, and this person is Christianity. And John's confident that the person he knew was the Son of God, that he wasn't alone in this because Jesus had a public ministry. And this, once again, too is, many, it is different from other major religions. For example, God only appeared to Muhammad um, in Islam and gave him the Quran. How do we know that what, 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 that's what, what happened exactly, that what Muhammad records is true? God only appears to Joseph Smith to give the Book of Mormon, but how do we know that that's true? You see, Jesus is Different because he had a public ministry. He had disciples. He didn't appear to one or two people, but he appeared to many, many people. And did you notice how John uses the word we as he speaks about his experience? What we have heard, we have seen, our hands have touched. There were others. Christianity is not about, ultimately, about forgiveness. About ultimate meaning or grace and justice, all those things. It's not about how to live a good life because we can't have those things. We can't know whether these things are really true, the way of living. We can't really know if God really forgave our sins unless God became a human being. Christianity is all about Jesus, God becoming a human being. And living among us. And this is why this day is so important to us. This is why you hear the Christmas message again and again each year. We set aside as a church a time where we remember this amazing fact that God became a human being and lived among us. And that's what John says about Christmas. That's what John says about Jesus. Look what he calls Jesus in this text. Remember, he started John's gospel in the beginning. He starts this letter by calling Jesus that which was from the beginning. He, of course, is echoing the words of Genesis, Genesis 1, in the beginning. Jesus was there in the beginning. He was before the creation. He is that which was from the beginning. And not only that, he calls Jesus the word of life in verse 1. He calls Jesus the eternal life which was with the Father. Verse 2. In verses 5 and 7, he calls Christ the light. Earlier in his gospel, he wrote boldly, the word became flesh. And these are not small claims if you think about that. No one says that about Muhammad, do they? Eternal life, the light of the world, that which was from the beginning. They don't say that about Buddha, but this is what we say about Jesus. And if this is true, if this is really true, then this has to be life-changing for all of us. It should change everything we know about the world, don't you think? Because if God did really become a person in Jesus, this means that we know who created the world. We we could get a glimpse of what our life is about, what our life, uh, what the meaning of our life is. We can ask what uh, um, we can know who created us. We get to know. How we're supposed to live in this world. And there are so many people who are wondering this exact uh, exact thing. Leo Tolstoy, the famed author of War and Peace, was a celebrity. Uh, That's uh, Louis C.K., not quite there yet. (laughs) Very different people. Sorry, if we can go back to just number two again. Um, Leo Tolstoy, famed author of War and Peace, was a celebrity in his day. He was rich and famous, um, but in his diary, he writes that uh, he uh, descended into a state of despair. He wrote in his diary once, my, my life came to a standstill. The truth was that life is meaningless. And it was then I, a man of favored fortune, hid a cord from myself lest I should hang myself. And I ceased to go out shooting with a gun lest I should be tempted so easily, um, should be tempted by so easy a way of ending my life. He had to go away. He, can't, he couldn't take a string with him, lest he thinks that he might hang himself. He couldn't go shooting with his friends because he, might, he was tempted to take his life. Life seemed a, a joke played on him, so he went on to search for meaning. It's not just him. Countless people have done the same. I have a friend who, um, after spending time as a drama therapist, uh, she um, was a therapist, and she felt that she could only treat people's symptoms not the root of their problems. She couldn't get to the bottom of why people wore the way they wore, and she, couldn't, she didn't have the answer to give them. So she quit being a, a drama therapist, and she just went out searching. She first went to India. She joined the yoga community, and there's a very spiritual aspect of yoga there. Um, she went on this and that until she found Jesus. She became a Christian in London. But here's the good news. See, we no longer have to uh, to rely on vague, mystical feelings about God. We don't have to just go to the creation and go, "Oh, the, the sense of awe comes over to us." We don't have to just rely on those things. We don't also have to rely. We don't just have to rely on rational arguments for God, dry arguments for God, because on Christmas Day, that which was from the beginning, the Word of Life, the Eternal Life. That was with the Father. Light became a human being in Jesus. He became a person, so we might come to know Him and know Him and rely on Him. We're no longer left to search in darkness alone, because light of the world has come. To the countless people who are asking, "What's the meaning of life? Why am I here?" Jesus says, "I am the light." I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come to me, who are, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We don't have to wonder anymore because God became a man in Jesus. And if you are asking these questions, if you're not yet a Christian, and you're wondering these questions, don't look any further than Jesus. Don't look any further than God made flesh in Jesus Christ. If you're searching for God, don't look any further than Jesus. And meeting Jesus is life-changing. And you can just sense it in uh, what John is writing there. Um, he's obviously excited. Obviously, his life has been turned upside down. He talks of joy, verse 4. He talks of, uh, he, he wants, he's writing this letter to make our joy complete, he says. And if you think about joy, joy is one of these things that has to be shared in order to be completed, doesn't it? When you have a good news, you know, when I got engaged, I needed to tell somebody. When you get a place in college or get a job offer or whatever good news you have, you have to go out and tell somebody in order for that experience to feel like it's been completed. Um, And that's why John is writing this letter, he says. He is brimming with joy, and he needs to tell somebody to complete this joy so that we might hear of Jesus, that the joy might be complete. His life was changed by God became because of God becoming a human being, and he's writing this letter to tell us that. Uh, if we can bring up that picture of Louis C.K., Louis C.K. was a, is an American comedian who I think is, I mean, who's considered one of the top comedians right now. Um, Slate.com recently rated his interview with another comedian the number one podcast um, of this past, uh, number one past podcast of all time. So being a bit of a podcast junkie, so I uh, downloaded um, this uh, interview with him. It's two hours, and much of it is really fairly boring. But I thought one section was really fascinating. It was when he started talking about his child. He said that having a child changed his life. He said before having children, he said he had no reason to live. He, he He had no real joy in living. He didn't live for anything other than himself, he said. And there was no real joy in that. But after having this child, after uh, something clicked, he said that he lived for his daughter. And it felt great. He woke up, and there was a reason to go to work. He, he, he said that there was a reason why he needed to get better as a comedian, because he needed to provide for his daughter, he needed to re- uh, there's a reason why he um, went through sort of the ups and downs the boring parts of his job because he had to provide for his daughter. there was a reason for him to live, and he said that that, was, that became uh, uh, this, this sense of joy that provided him with a sense of joy in his life i know people like that in Hong Kong as well um, people who I know a person who started exercising because he um, felt that he was a bit old and uh, um, When he uh, had his uh, uh, sons, he wanted to play with his sons, so he started exercising. But what Louis C.K. discovered was that there is this strange joy in living for somebody else than ourselves. Think about all the things uh, that we do that takes us outside of ourselves. When you play a sport, when you play football, There is great joy in it because you lose yourself in playing the sport. We're no longer thinking about ourselves, but the game. There's a great joy in playing in an orchestra or singing in a choir because you're part of something that's greater than yourself. It takes you out, and you're part of that group. There is joy in in losing ourselves in something that's greater. See, what Louis C.K. discovered is our design as human beings— We don't get joy by being people who are concerned about ourselves and our own happiness. We get joy in living for something that's greater than ourselves. And that's what the Bible tells us. The Bible tells us, in the end, that we are meant to live for something that's greater. Actually, someone that's greater. Something that's even greater than anything else you can imagine. Something that will be a source of joy for eternity. We're meant to live for a baby. Not just any baby, but this baby who came into this, this world to show us who God is, to show us what this greatness is. The Word became flesh. He is our creator. He is the sovereign God from whom all blessings and goodness flow. He is the source of life, life and true joy. He came down 2,000 years ago so we might get to know Him him, know who he is. And he shows us the great, uh, his love for us, the great love by living and dying for us. And then he sent his spirit so that we might call, all who might call on his name, might get lost in his greatness, in his righteousness, in his holiness, in his love. That which John heard, saw, looked, changed his life. He was able to do this. He was able to get this joy from God because God became a human being. And when Christ came into his life, John's life became about uh, Christ. And there was a great joy that sprung up in him. And once again... If you are new to the church and if you are searching, if you are one of these Christians who come to church maybe on Easter and Christmas, welcome. And I pray that this won't be this will be a beginning of your seeking Christ. The greatness, his greatness and his his great love and grace. Because once you get to know him, you will lose yourself in him and your life will be about him. And there will be a great joy that springs up in you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you sent your son to reveal to us who you are. We thank you that we don't have to guess anymore. We thank you that we don't have to stay in darkness of not knowing you not knowing the meaning of our life, not knowing who God is, not knowing whether there is true forgiveness and true joy, we thank you that 2,000 years ago you sent your son, Jesus. And for all those of us here who are still searching, we pray that you will speak to them. We pray that in this Christmas that you will become real to them. For all of us who come to, who have come to know you, we pray that you will uh, root us in deeper knowledge of you, deeper uh, knowing, um, uh, knowing knowing you deeper, that we might live um, in our, uh, live our lives um, as a response to what you have done, that our life will sing of your greatness in this great joy. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.